All right, welcome to this episode of the Inner Circle Podcast. Uh, I have with me uh, this week Mike Armistead. So, uh, Mike, can you, uh, I guess, you know, just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you? Sure, Tony. Uh, again, as you said, my name is Mike Armistead. I'm the co-founder and CEO of a company called Respond Software uh, Inc. We're a company that has uh, ventured into what the topic is going to be today. Uh, the um, into artificial intelligence and how we might be able to apply that for good in cybersecurity. Uh, before that time, I'm a, I'm a, I guess now I have to admit that I'm a serial entrepreneur. This is my fifth startup. Um, had some really uh, great journeys with a few other ones in almost all in the tech and cybersecurity space. All right, excellent. Um, all right. Well, as you alluded to, um, we're going to we're going to talk about uh, AI, talk about artificial intelligence. Um, that's actually been uh, the subject of uh, one or two previous episodes as well. Uh, I know I had a, a previous episode of this podcast where we talked about tr really trying to understand the difference between artificial intelligence and machine learning because everything kind of gets conflated together. Um, uh, you know, it's like they're related, but they're not the same. Um, but specifically, what uh, what interested me uh, interested me uh, in in having you on as a guest is to talk about um, the 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 feeling uh, by by many uh, that AI will you know eventually take their jobs. And now, you know, from my own perspective, I feel like you know that that's it's a little bit hyperbolic. It's a little bit uh, you know sort of uh, fear mongering uh, to an extent, but to a, another extent, or the flip side of that coin is, in some ways, it might. I mean, it depends on your job. Uh, I mean, it's it's like arguing that uh, you know robots are going to take your manufacturing job. It's like, well, they did, <laughs> you know, eventually. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's like it depends on your job, and it depends on what you're trying to do. Um, so let's, I guess, just start there. What are your thoughts on you know on on you know will AI you know eventually take our jobs, and we'll all just sit at home drinking mai tais? <laughs> you know, I, I, and I think you set that up really well. There's there's a number of aspects to this, uh, including just in what time frame are we talking about, um, and and what jobs are we talking about. I think those are those are the key uh, kinds of things. Um, you know, I I I think automation does typically come into different industries or different job functions and can have an impact. And you know, why should we think cybersecurity might not be one of these as well. Um, and I think the the big difference that I see between all that hyperbola <laughs> that's going on about, oh my God, the machines are taking over the world, um, and, and the situation in cybersecurity is uh, the simple fact that uh, we today don't have enough people to fill the positions that we uh, have available. And those are just the ones that are posted by companies that need professionals in cybersecurity to help them to help defend their enterprise. And, you know, I, I think it's Gardner that said by 2020, that number is going to be um, nearing a quarter of a million. And, and you know, and that really, and, and so there, we aren't really in a situation where, oh, we all have, you know, there, there's, there's just a plethora of, of, you know, or a, I don't know, plethora is probably the wrong word, but it's, you know, it's the, there's, everybody's got a cybersecurity job. Now, some people won't because of what the technology is going to bring. It's really a situation of, we don't have enough and we need to, we're scrambling to get technology to actually help us here. So that, that's kind of one, one aspect of it. Um, the other is what you brought up 
um, as well, which is just, well, of what type? Um, and, and I think, uh, I, I tell you, the one thing we encounter the most, so uh, another part of, of my background is in the, uh, you know, in the security operations center space and, and our, our team especially is, uh, you know, we, we used to go around the world and build these socks uh, for people and, you know, large and small. Uh, but, you know, you always had to center so much around the person making certain decisions or doing certain tasks and that. And uh, it was always a challenge to hire, especially the lowest level in that group. So the people that watch a monitor um, or watch a stream of events come through and, and do the initial triage or the initial investigation before they determine what requires a lot more investigation, maybe by some more senior people or by more people or something like that, because they, they feel like an attack is going on. And, it, and that it's a, it's a real challenge to say, tell someone, hey, how would you like the job, you know, if you said it truthfully, how would you like the job of staring at a screen for an eight, hour, eight to 10 hour shift? Uh, you gotta do night shifts too, every so often. Uh, and, and remember stuff that could, could have happened, I don't know, months ago. Uh, and apply, if you could, uh, more than, you know, 40, 50 factors, according to every one of those, and be able to consistently do a good job. And, you know, in some ways, uh, the recruiting effort ends up going more like this. It's like, how would you like to be a detective in cybersecurity? And that does appeal to people, because people think of, oh, I can use my ingenuity. I can, you know, my gut feel might play into this. I can follow up on clues. I can do all that kind of thing. And then we sit them in. Then we, the job we give them is that, you know, somewhat that night guard job where they have to just stare at monitors all night and yeah. somehow make, make sense of it. And I, so, so in some ways, uh, I think, I know the part that we're trying to do at Respond is much more about if we could liberate the, those professionals uh, from that, that monitor, you know, just kind of the, the, the video monitoring or console monitoring thing. And and allow them to be detectives and and have fun with the job. That actually will help both both the enterprise and themselves uh, within it. So I think that's why I'm a firm believer in at least uh, what I see going on in cybersecurity. That automation is is all, all, you know to the benefit of of people, even at these early stages. Uh, it gets them out of doing really grunge work and uh, into the things that that both will be higher, um, both be well better suited for the person, and then also higher value. Uh, because they get to do more in their right. cybersecurity enterprise. Right. So, I mean, so I, I agree with that from, I guess, uh, sort of two perspectives. Um, one is just, you know, like you said, you know, it, it is it, it is kind of mundane uh, to, to sit there and, and just be a, like a level one SOC analyst. And, and a lot of it is so just kind of routine. Um, you know, I, I, the, 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 the one caveat I would say is that uh, I feel like the people who who come in, the people who become the best level two, level threes, and and go on, um, it, it, it sometimes is you know from that foundation as a level one. It's like it's a, you, oh, you see the same sure. thing with uh, you know if, when you work when you work an IT help desk, you know people people who are good only stay in those roles for a very short period of time. It, like it gives you the foundation, you learn what to look for, then you move on. Um, but but the but the the larger issue I think where I agree with you is just regardless of whether or not it's boring or regardless of whether or not uh, you know there are enough skilled people out there who who can do that job um, at a, at a base level 
uh, I think the larger issue is the other part that you um, uh, alluded to, which is the remembering what happened four months ago or being able to correlate, you know, everything that's going on. And, and to, so, so, so to an extent, it really isn't a job that a human being can do effectively, not nearly as effectively as, as, as an artificial intelligence that's properly tuned. Yeah, you know, Tony, I think you nailed it there. I mean, really what, what we see is that that gap between all the data that, that should be analyzed um, versus what could be analyzed you know, by a person in that, I mean, that it's, it's, it's an exponential growth on the, on the data side. And, you know, you just, you don't have the capacity on the people. So I, I agree with you. I, I, I totally, you know, it's, it's beyond the processing power of what people do even can do, yeah, right. you could say. And so, and, and, and you just have to pick the use cases, right? You know, it's gotta be the things that you can describe well enough that a machine can then go do it. Cause a machine, um, while it can, you know, in one side of AI is deep learning, so it can it can kind of build and have it can build structure to something that looks really unstructured. But there's you know there's a you know on the other side it's really expert systems that that really emulate the judgment of a person. So they kind of come in pre-structured to look for certain evidence of what's going on and then correlate, like you said, correlate those things together and do that. You know, if you can if you can take a machine to do that, suddenly you then have the scale, the consistency the uh, uh, the really the depth of analysts that you really should be doing on all that. And that's just something that is actually unattainable really for people right now. Right. Well, and I, you, know, like you, you look at that through the lens of, you know, maybe not not just, you know, regular uh, security operations center uh, practices or whatever, but when you take that to cloud scale and DevOps and containerized environments and uh, Internet of Things and you have, you know, industrial IoT, the, the, the sheer volume of just IP connected devices out there communicating with one another is just, I mean, it, it, it's not possible for, for a human being right. to, to, to monitor that effectively. Um, right. So I think, if, you know, if you, if you can, if you can apply, uh, you know, artificial intelligence as that sort of level one SOC analyst as the gatekeeper to say, okay, well, look, I want, I want you as the AI to watch these millions of signals and correlate all this data across, you know, the whole environment, uh, you know, keeping in mind, you know, key indicators that happened months ago and, and, and kind of, you know, just start connecting those dots for me. And then just, escalate the ones to me where the dots look f interesting <laughs> and then you know and then, and then i right. as the level two as the human right. being i can then look at that and say okay you've started to connect some dots let's see what those dots form it you know uh, so exactly and and i'd, I'd add just a, a couple of things because you know oftentimes if i look back at what we've bought you know over the years recently we're, we're very used to um buying detectors, things that alert and stuff too. And it was really the, the rise of the, the SIM kind of collectors that said, well, you really need to add the context, contextual information to this. And, and, and I think that AI really needs to do that as well. So it's the connecting the dots. A key part is not only does this look malicious from a security standpoint, but do I care? Like what's the impact of it? And that's gonna be according to your, your enterprise where your critical assets, um, what's vulnerable, what's not vulnerable, uh, 
are other people in my space being attacked? You know, that, that kind of thing is, is the other part that you can now put that into uh, software and software can consider those things. And I think it's, uh, it's, you know, it's something that, that there's a real advantage because you could, you could have them doing that and being able to then give it. And then, as you say, I think it is absolutely a partnership between the, if I just kind of say it, the machine and the people, because then you want to give it to the people and, 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 and have them like, like you were saying, do additional information, but then they need to feed back to the machine or the AI that says, was this good or was this bad and why? Because that's how it learns then over time. And, and that's been another struggle that's happened in security that's, you know, across the board is, you know, we, we've, we've had plenty of platform kind of technologies that, that are, you know, you can put in your smarts and what you think should happen when, when things go on. The problem is you have to put it in and you have to program it. And that means you have to maintain it or you have to pay someone to maintain it and that too. And that's where I at least see from my experience, people get behind on is they, uh, they, they started out and the security operation actually is really good in the first three, six months, but then it, it, the atrophy just starts because you, again, there's, there's also manpower that has to be applied to those, the, if you have automation, those rules that you, that are governing that automation or the queries that you make into databases and, and that kind of thing. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's across the board. It's not just that analyst. It's, right. it's the, that other side too. Well, and I think that, you know, uh, th that's, um, a big caveat that I think a lot of people maybe don't understand is, you know, artificial intelligence, you know, uh, if you if you look at science fiction movies and singularity type events and, you know, the AI is going to take over and, and, and it seems like it's this the magic silver bullet thing. So, I mean, actually, forget the movies, just go to the floor of uh, RSA or Black Hat. <laughs> yeah, we got Black Hat coming up. We're going to <laughs> Right, and see how many people talk about artificial intelligence and AI and as as a as a uh, you know as a marketing feature, um, and so it makes it sound like it's this magic thing. Like if you just buy a product with artificial intelligence, all your problems will be solved. And people need to understand that the artificial intelligence is only as good as the machine learning algorithm behind it. Uh, you know, it's only as good as as the information that it's given. It's only as good as how it's been programmed to process that information. And, uh, you know, and so there and, is and a, even that in, sorry to cut, sorry to cut ahead, in there, but even, even that data set, because if you're training it off of a data set that's improperly tagged or, 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 or actually take something as normal, that's abnormal. I mean, you get, there's, there's that too. So yeah, these three things. Right. Absolutely. So, I mean, so, so to, you know, it, it, you know, to, to the extent that, uh, AI might, displace uh, the need for, say, level one SOC analysts. You know, we can just have the AI do that. It will, at the same time, create a need, perhaps a, a much smaller need. You don't need them at the same volume, but it creates a need for people who really understand AI and machine learning to tune those things and to yeah. and, and to, to consistently tune them. It's not a, I'm going to set this up, and if I just give it the right, uh, you know, the right data and the right questions on day one, then I'm good to go forever. It's like no, you have to come back and you have to you have to continue. Like you said, you have to give it the good the good and the bad feedback. You know, and, and when when it gives you the thing and you look at it and then you go, oh, you know what? That's really not an issue for us. You need to tell the AI so that the AI will learn from that and know that down the line. But you but you have to, you know, constantly over time, 
pay attention to what that AI is giving you and what data you're giving it um, in order for it to remain effective. No, exactly right. I mean, you know, in part, uh, that's why, like with our product, we've implemented it to be that we take on a lot of that in, in, in our cloud uh, to do that. And really, it's you giving the feedback, but us, we, you know, we, we, you know, we believe we need to take that burden off of the end customer, especially, you know, we didn't talk about this much because we, we brought up socks, but if you're just a security team that is three or four people and you wear a lot of different hats and you're doing a lot of different things, I mean, it's, yeah, some of the burden's got to be taken off them. And that, and that's, that's a, you know, again, uh, you bring up a great point. You're either going to have to do that yourself or you're going to find someone who can do that for you. Um, maybe in a product, maybe it is a service. Right. And again, going back, you know, like I said, black, black hat's coming up in, uh, you know, two weeks, uh, roughly. Um, and, that is, you know, something something for for people who are not necessarily tech gurus and are not cybersecurity, you know, experts. Something to consider as you're walking the floor and looking at what's available and considering your options is, you know, stay away from vendors who just use AI or artificial intelligence as a marketing pitch if they don't have a broader explanation of how they're going to sustain that or how you're supposed to sustain that. They can't just sell it to you and say, hey, look, it's got AI. Uh, and, and now you're done. Um, there has to be either the vendor offering some sort of a consulting service or a service on the back end of how they're going to help you to maintain that or some sort of guidance on what you're supposed to do to maintain that. But if the if the implication is you're just going to buy it and it's just going to work, then you should walk away. Yeah, I mean, it. it I think that's got to be the learning that we've all done over the last uh you know, a decade and a half or so of, or a decade or so of, of a SIM. You can't just buy a SIM and think it's just going to magically all work, right? It's, it's you, you have to, you have to be ready to invest in it. Right. And, and that's only one part. And, and security analytics was kind of the, the big thing a few years ago at, at RSA and Black Hat. And that, again, you had to invest, you had to have data scientists or people that knew how to do that. And you're, you're bringing up the other point is when you get into the AI world, in some ways you're even getting more specialized to be able to have the people that could really uh, do this, and so yeah, no, it's it's absolutely uh, um, the the right advice you just gave because you know figure out what that plan is and how quickly that can come up to speed and what is what does it mean over time. Right. Well, and so to use actually both of the both of your examples, sim and business analytics, um, the in both of those examples, I think the 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 concept and the technology ended up getting a bad rap. You know, like basically there was a backlash of people going, oh, well, SIM, SIM sucks. SIM does not work. Uh, you know, big data analytics does not work. Um, and it's like, well, no, they work fine. They just don't work the way, the silver bullet way you were sold. I was just going to say that. It, it, it was it's exactly it. And that's why you're, you're warning about watch the marketing claims because, you know, there, there is. And, and I think, too, it's, it's really being able to one other part of AI that uh, seems to be out there. Um, is also this, uh, it especially has the, you know, magic AI kind of aura to it. It's like, don't worry about how this works behind the curtain here. It just does. And that's another big warning, I think, for people is uh, the, the how it works in some ways. Um, people have to be comfortable with the fact that they, they at least grasp the, the concepts and how the algorithms or things would, would be going. Now, not that they have to know that level of detail, but they all, 
they have to be able to say it, it, there's some transparency in that. So it's not just a black box stuff goes in and you get something out. You know, maybe it feels good in one or two cases, but are you going to be able to, you know, spend millions of dollars on that kind of thing or not? Right. So you got to, you really got to kind of, uh, you know, and I, I'm a believer in, you know, the, the transparency is a big important part of artificial intelligence because you need to know, need, like, why did it come up with that judgment? You know, what, what were the factors? And it's just like you ask a person, you know, it's like, okay, I, I hear you, but why? Why, why are you recommending this? And, and that too. And, and I think there's a whole lot of goodness that will come in the technologies over time too, about even how, uh, you know, you go to like a Netflix and it recommends things to you. And if you think about their journey and recommendations, it, it used to be very particular, you know, and, but it used to be very black box and people would be, you'd look at it and go, what? <laughs> I, why, why would I want that movie? You know, and it'd be really odd. And uh, I, I don't know, dare to say it might be embarrassing at times or something like that. But, you know, uh, now if you look at what they do, they say, hey, because you watched these, here, here's recommendations. And it's, right. it, it's, it's a form of transparency. And, and boy, that's got to happen in, in this realm, too. You got to say, hey, because of this, this is right. why we're... Well, and, and I think another example of, of sort of how that again it's not it's not all bad it's not all good it's it's it really is a case-by-case basis and and there's nuance to it but if you look at what facebook is doing and what twitter is doing you know you can at a high level you can understand the logic behind the algorithms of of saying look the 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 fire hydrant approach of of sending you all this information is not workable. It's not practical. I can't send you every single thing that's posted on Facebook or every single thing that's posted on Twitter. So I want to have an algorithm that's going to help me fine tune that to show you the things that we think you want to see. But then the flip side of that is that that also becomes dangerous in terms of, okay, well, now you have an algorithm deciding what I want to see. Mm-hmm. And and if your algorithm guesses wrong or it gets tuned wrong or whatever, oh, or someone or someone sudden, games it, someone right. games now that all of algorithm. a sudden I'm yeah. seeing stuff that that I don't want to see, or or I'm missing out on very important, valid things that I would want to see if you gave me the choice. And because there's no transparency, uh, you know, to go back to your point, there's no transparency. There's no understanding of how those algorithms are making these determinations. I have no way of knowing really what I missed on Facebook and Twitter. Yeah. And, and so you bring up, uh, that's a, it's a great kind of analogy. Cause then now, now translate that into the cyber world where your job is to protect or defend your organization. And, and that's your, you know, you, and at times, you know, people are unpredictable and guess what the adversary, they, they live by being a bit more unpredictable because you know, they're predictable in one way, that's how they hide. And then they're very unpredictable in other ways. And you got to be able to, to, to deal with that. And you're right. If you're missing something because you just blindly believed in um, this thing was doing all of it, then that's tough. That's why I think it's a partnership. I, you know, I, I got a, a bit of a, a story there, which is, you know, when, when they first kind of did the uh, uh, man versus machine on, on the chess thing, you know, with, uh, I always get this name wrong, but I think it's deep blue is what, what they called it. And uh, Kasparov, you know, the chess master, whatever, yeah, yeah, when yeah. they, when they, yeah. when they first did that, you know, that was, that was, yeah, there's all sorts of really interesting parts to it, but uh, uh, to be brief, it's, uh, you know, the chess master thought the machine knew more and so undertook a strategy that ended up was his undoing um, because it was retreating and people never retreat in chess if you think you have an advantage and, you know, he was giving too much credit to it. Um, but secondly, how that's evolved over the years is at this stage, a, uh, you know, a, 
a man versus machine, eh, it's kind of a toss up who's going to win. A machine versus machine, same thing. A man versus man, as we know, it's kind of same thing. But a all the great chess players, the the ones who win in in the competitions that allow for it, is uh, if you ever a, a person and a machine, you win every time against either just a machine or against just a person. And I think that's the way cybersecurity is going to go with this AI kind of thing. It's it's uh, you know you need them both, and you need to find the right balance of what one's doing and what's that and what they're good at and what bias they might have. Uh, with them, both as you as a person, but also you look at your machine and say, okay, that's biased this way because I know it, you know, it's just only programmed to, you know, to do these kinds of things. So yeah, a lot of interesting stuff here. All right. Well, I guess we will uh, wrap it up there, but uh, yeah, it def definitely is interesting. And, and, and like I said, I, I, I agree that, you know, there, there are a lot of valuable uses for AI. Um, you know, uh, like I said, I would just caveat that, you have to have, uh, you know, some understanding of what has to go into that and what what needs to continue going into that, and not approach it like it's you know, magic and you're just going to implement AI and, and then all your problems will be solved. Um, but you know, but it, but if you go in with that understanding, uh, then it can be a very valuable tool that can help you focus the resources you do have and get better value out of out of you know the 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 infrastructure and and, and, your, and your security and everything else uh, as long as you use it properly so yeah and and I do think there's some newer technologies and newer approaches that happen to use those techniques that won't aren't just like about those techniques but use them in very clever ways that that actually can really help overall situations so you know uh, I think just some newer stuff you know I think we're part of that but it's uh, uh, that that can really add value in the short term. And I was going to add one more point: is uh, prove it, right? Ask the vendors to prove it, because that's a that's a really good way. You see how much it would take. You see what it would be involved. You do that kind of thing. It's uh, um, you know there there's if you, if you can afford to kind of do that, it's it's a great great and telling, and you won't get caught maybe in uh, uh, just the hype. All right. Well, thank you very much for uh, joining me. Okay, Tony, thank you very much. So I would like to give a quick shout out to Silence. Uh, Silence is one of the original sponsors of Techspective and I really appreciate their support. I also think that you would really appreciate what they do. Uh, Silence is revolutionizing cybersecurity with products and services that uh, proactively prevent uh, rather than just reactively detecting the execution of advanced persistent threats and malware. Um, if you are not familiar with Silence, I highly suggest you learn more. Uh, if you go on the Techspective website at the upper right uh, under sponsors, you can click on the Silence logo and it will take you to the site, or you can visit the site directly. It's at cylance.com. Go check it out and learn more about Silence. Thank you for listening. I hope that you uh, got some entertainment or education or, or some value out of uh, the time you invested listening to the podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would give me that feedback and let me know what you like and what you don't like, either in the comments, uh, on the on the blog post on Techspective, or uh, review the uh, podcast in iTunes. Um, but regardless, uh, again, I just really appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast. Thank you.